Welcome to episode 11 of F-Stop, Collaborate and Listen with host Matt Payne. Today's guests are one of my favorite photographers of all time, Uh, super inspirational uh, when I started shooting landscape photography, and he was very helpful in my uh, just learning process, Uh, David Kingham and his partner in crime, um, Jennifer Renwick. Uh, They they both travel the American Southwest um, doing workshops and living in an RV and living the dream, man. Uh, it's pretty exciting to talk to him for the first time. Um, I think you guys are going to like this episode. We covered a lot of really fun topics, including workshops and workshop etiquette and ethics and um, what it's like to live in an RV full time with your business partner and your life partner. And um, I think you guys are going to like this one. It, it, was a, it was a lot of fun talking to him. Uh, please remember to rate the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. Thanks. David Kingham and Jennifer Renwick. It is awesome to have you on the podcast. Thanks, Matt. It's good to be on. Yeah. So um, I have been following you, David, uh, ever since I got into landscape photography. You've been a pretty big inspiration to me. Um, I think you may recall I used to reach out to you quite a bit for some tips and pointers on how to create like milky way panos and stuff like that oh yeah i remember that (laughs) (laughs) yeah man i i I definitely learned a lot from you cool that's good man you've been creating good work oh thanks yeah you know i feel like i've kind of hit a wall lately but you know it's all good (laughs) yeah we all hit that (laughs) (laughs) and then jennifer i you know i don't really know a whole lot about you except that i know that uh you're the the better half of of exploring exposure uh, for the workshops you guys are doing, and I, I kind of wanted to kick us off by just kind of learning more about how you guys met and how you kind of started this adventure together. <laughs> it's a story. <laughs> <laughs> um, essentially, I had been doing photography for about three years um, before I met David about a year and a half ago. Um, Mostly just, I'm originally from Illinois, so I kind of did the life change thing and evaluated what I wanted, you know, what I wanted to do with my life and moved out to Colorado to join David last April, actually. Um, So I had done photography as mostly a hobby, and mostly it was limited to trips out to Colorado and, you know, trips to Wyoming just to kind of shoot real quick, get away from work and come back to Illinois and you know, realizing I had a lot to learn with photography as I reviewed my images, <laughs> um, <laughs> but started getting a little more serious about it. And I actually took um, one of David's workshops. I had followed him online for a while, you know, doing the, you know, night photography. I had read his ebook, and I actually ended up taking one of his workshops a few falls ago and got to know him. And one thing led to another, and now I'm out on the road with him. <laughs> Wow, that's amazing. So how are you guys liking uh, living and working out of the RV? Yeah, we are, full-time. It's fun. You know, it's different. It's amazing what you can really live without. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's really, I mean, it's been a journey for sure. 
<clears throat> yeah, what what did that what did that transition look like for you coming from the from Illinois? Um, well, I had um, I actually have my bachelor's degree in geology, um, and then I actually did a totally different route and went into veterinary medicine. So I worked in a clinic for fourteen years, and you know it was a fabulous career. You know, every now and then I miss it, but it's a pretty intense career. So I kind of needed a break from it. So this was actually perfect timing with everything. Um, so yeah, I literally like loaded up my pickup truck and had my stuff with me and literally just, you know, drove to Colorado, you know, kind of like the cliche, <laughs> you know, head out West adventure. Um, <laughs> so it was pretty easy. I mean, you know, it was kind of weird leaving some stuff. Um, my home base is Golden, Colorado. I have family there. Um, it was kind of weird leaving, you know, a lot of stuff behind, but you quickly realize, you know, what you can really live without and it's very liberating. Yeah, um, my wife and I are pretty big into minimalism, at least conceptually. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we in the last well, in the last three and a half years, I've moved twice across the country. Once from Colorado Springs to Portland, and then Portland to Durango, Colorado. And both times, <clears throat> we we kind of downsized our stuff, and then. And then we bought a house here in Durango, and it was much, much, much smaller than anything we've ever lived in. And yeah. we just got rid of a ton of crap. Yeah. <laughs> and didn't look. It's like not that hard to do, really. Once you, once you realize how liberating it can be to not have be attached to a bunch of stuff. Definitely. Yeah. It's like a huge anchor in your life. Absolutely, not in a good way. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, So one of the things I've always wondered about um, for people that kind of take up that lifestyle is um, how do you fulfill some of the other kind of, um, I guess, human needs in terms of like socializing and relationships and stuff like that? Um, We actually run into a lot of people on the road. So a lot of photographer friends, especially, Um, you know, we run into Ron and Sarah all the time. Like right. Every turn we make, there's Ron and Sarah. And, <laughs> and so we, you know, meet up with people like in the San Juans in the fall, the, you know, places like that where people converge at certain times. So it's it's actually pretty cool. And we, I don't know, feel pretty satisfied with that, I think. Oh, yeah. I mean, we, you know, definitely have our family connections and it, you know, gives us the ability to, you know, travel around and see family members that we normally wouldn't see. Yeah, I actually get to see family more than I probably would have before, so that's pretty cool. That's cool. That makes sense. Um, um, one of the, I don't know, shifting gears a little, like, now that you guys are together, like, 24-7 and shooting <laughs> together a lot, I'm assuming, what is your what is the difference between uh, your guys' approaches to, uh, to photography and how do your styles differ? Well, I know my style is a lot more dramatic and moody, really um, more big landscapes and stuff like that. Um, I think our approach is a lot the same. You know, we, we do shoot a lot together, but we produce a lot of different results. And then Jen's stuff is a lot more, um, how do you say, more like softer, pastel for a large part. I'm not quite as moody as him, so to speak. <laughs> in, in pictures. In yes. Pictures. <laughs> so do you guys end up um, shooting a lot of the same scenes and then your your approach 
and vision in terms of what you see in front of you just is your own personal take? Yeah, definitely. I mean, sometimes we end up with the same thing because it's obvious what the subject is, but a lot of times we'll go out shooting and come up with totally different things and we'll be, you know, jealous of each other's stuff, but not in a bad way. Just like, wow, we can't believe you found that. And it's really cool (laughs) to see. Yeah, it's kind of funny. We'll converge on a scene and literally he goes one way and I go another way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I recently uh, went on a a trip uh, with some photographers down to uh, Hunts Mesa by Monument Mm -hmm. Valley. And um, I don't know if you know Paul Rojas. Yeah, yeah. And his wife, uh, Michelle. Yeah. Uh, they, They were both shooting together, but it was kind of fun just watching them do their thing but like totally differently oh yeah because <laughs> you know they're shooting the exact same exact same spots but um what they came home with was totally different yeah yeah i, I was, think that's one of the coolest things about photography yeah that's really cool i was I was bummed i couldn't come with you guys kane actually invited me on that and i we had a workshop going in escalante at that time so Oh, man, that would have been awesome. I know. I (laughs) wish I could have came down there with you guys. Yeah, it was a pretty great trip. I had never never been down there before, even though I'm I'm not too far away. But, um, God, it was – we had one night. It was pretty good light, too. So, yeah, we we, we made out pretty well. Yeah, you guys have been killing me with all those pictures. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was a a good one. Yeah. Um, So maybe that's a good – transition um i know another thing that i've picked your brain a lot about in the past is you know gear and mm-hmm. i know we both came from the nikon uh yep. nikon stuff and now you're shooting fuji film and i'm shooting sony uh right. what was that transition like for you with the switching to fuji and why did you do it and kind of what are the pros and cons um i primarily did it for weight reasons just because we do a lot of hiking and backpacking and I just I was sick of the weight and I don't know I finally tried out the Fuji and I just totally fell in love with it Um, the way the images look the quality of the glass and everything is just phenomenal so it was for me it was a really easy transition like as soon as I picked it up I'm like okay I gotta switch because (laughs) I was just sick of all the heavy gear Oh man, no kidding. Yeah. That's that's that was my main reason too. Like I do a lot of backpacking. That's probably 90% of what I do when I'm using a camera and yeah. like it just doesn't make sense to carry around 15 pounds of shit. No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. What about what about you Jennifer? What are you shooting with? Um, I shoot Nikon. I that's pretty much all I've shot with. So I, you know, I have two bodies that I shoot with. I have a D500 and a D610 that I primarily just use for nightscapes. But, you know, I was super close last year to jumping on the Fuji bandwagon, um, <laughs> especially after our, you know, a lengthy backpacking trip. I just thought, why am I lugging this giant body around with me <laughs> up these hills? You know, and there's David with his nice small Fuji setup, you know, totally not having a problem. So it was very tempting to switch, but um, Nikon came out with the D500 last year, last summer about, and I do shoot a lot of wildlife, and the reviews for the focusing system were just phenomenal, and I thought, well, maybe I'm not ready to jump the ship yet, so I still carry the DSLR around with me, but, 
you know, Fuji might be in my future. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, I would say that's the only downside of um, like shooting Sony is there's not really a great telephoto solution, mm. and um, I think the autofocus is is pretty good. But man, there's just not a great selection of of native lenses, and I don't yeah. really feel like slapping on an adapter and doing manual focus or using the right. the t-chart autofocus thing yeah it's just i mean might as well just have a dslr at that point <laughs> <laughs> i think tamron has the 150 to 600 for the sony now don't they i don't think so i, I could so. be totally I, wrong though i put one in my blog post about the telephoto lenses so i think i think it well, was if that they did, i, I definitely might check that out because i really like that lens i've shot it on yeah, the icon yeah. and i like it a lot yeah. um and it's for the range of view. It's pretty. It's pretty light. Yeah, relatively. <laughs> I mean, considering it's a six hundred millimeter. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to take that bastard backpacking, but. <laughs> Pro probably not. <laughs> so, uh, tell me about your cats. You say you have some traveling cats. Oh, jeez. Well, um, when I made the move out, you know, I, I had two cats with me in Illinois. And obviously working in veterinary medicine for a while, you know, it, it's hard to not have a pet. And, you know, David said, you know, do you think they'll be able to handle this? And I said, you know, they're pretty outgoing cats. They're... Sorry, totally dropped that ear thing there. Um, <laughs> I said, you know, they're not your typical cats that, you know, like, hide under the bed and hiss at everyone that walks by. They're very social and outgoing. So I thought, well, the only way we know is to give it a try and... They came along for the journey, and they're fabulous. They absolutely love traveling with us and, you know, enjoy seeing all the new places and looking out the window at the different creatures that wander by, and they're pretty content. And, uh, you know, uh, Ron and Sarah also travel with two cats as well, so it's oh, kind of really? funny. Yeah. <laughs> so when we meet up with them in Death Valley or other places, we kind of exchange cat-sitting services, you know, if they have to run off somewhere overnight or if we do so it, it makes it it's nice and handy and <laughs> so are you guys quote-unquote based out of any location or are you pretty much just roaming um <clears throat> we don't really <clears throat> excuse me have a home base uh we you know we don't have any physical house where we um, call home right now but we have a lot of family like around denver so we you know we we go there quite a bit and if we need to stop and get our crap together <laughs> that's kind of where we go so right <clears throat> that makes sense yeah um so so david uh we didn't really talk about this as a topic but it's something that i've been wanting to ask you about for a long time okay um and so but if it's uh not something you want to talk about just say yeah, i'll pass okay <laughs> um so um, I, I don't know how or why, but I happen to know a little bit about kind of your, um, probably from a blog post you did or something, but about mm -hmm. your kind of your transition from being like a corporate guy to the entering the world of full, full-time mm -hmm. professional photography. And I was yeah. hoping you could tell, tell us a little bit about that journey for you because, um, the little bit that I know about it, it's, it's, um, it's a pretty... It's a pretty inspiring story that I think a lot of listeners would resonate with. Yeah, so I I used to really enjoy my job, but I didn't really have any creative outlet. So I, I don't know, I think I always felt kind of empty in that way and didn't even realize it. 
Um, but then I, <clears throat> then I found photography and it quickly kind of consumed my life. Like everything I did after work was all about photography. I was going out shooting or learning something every night and just became completely obsessed. And then from that point forward, I started hating my job <laughs> <laughs> and it didn't help that I had worked my way up into management and it just wasn't what I wanted to do at all with my life. So yeah. What were you, what kind of line of work were you in? Um, I was in the architectural field. Okay. Yeah. So it was, it was good for a while, but then I don't know, I got really sick of it. So I started setting up a plan to get out of it. So I put all my efforts into paying off all my debt and, you know, a couple years of just really cranking down, not spending any money and just putting everything towards my credit cards and loans and stuff. I got all that paid down and I wanted to save up some money before I actually quit my job, but it just happened to work out to where I got laid off because of a huge problem in the company. So it worked out. It was, wasn't like perfect timing, but it never is. Right. Because you always want to try to save up more money before you do something I mean, that's crazy. Like, that's like having kids. Like there's really no yeah. perfect time to have kids. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, from there I just decided, you know, it was time for me to just try it because I could have easily gone back into another job and made a lot of money but I just didn't want to do it anymore. I didn't, I didn't care about the money. I wanted to do something that was fulfilling for me. So I just decided to go for it and take a huge risk and it panned out. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. So now that you're doing it full time, do you ever feel the weight of that, um, that stress of, you know, like that it's like 100% of your income is based on the mm -hmm. success of what you put into it. What does that feel like? Um, it can be a little bit scary, um, but I have, I have pretty good confidence that if I keep doing what I love and um, just keep putting myself out there, I know that I'll connect with people that love the same thing. And even if it falls into some niche or something that there's always people out there that will connect with whatever you're doing, as long as you put everything you have into it. So yeah, I totally agree with that. One of the, <clears throat> I don't remember, it was like maybe three or four years ago, you and I had a conversation over Facebook that was really inspiring to me. And we were talking about, um, I think you had decided that you basically were just making it to where all of your, um, all of your photos would be uh, Creative Commons. Right. Pretty much. And then, yeah. and I was like, how are you doing that? Why are you? You're crazy. <laughs> and then you shared that TED Talks with me, and I can't yeah. remember the name of the artist. I'm sure you'll yeah, remember. I don't remember anymore. Um, but it was about how, like, people will pay you for the things that they want. Right. And they'll pay you what they think it's worth, and you don't have to, um, like, uh, you don't have to put a price tag on it. Like, people will pay you if, if they think it's valuable. Right. I thought that was super inspiring. Gosh, now I don't remember who, which yeah, TED Talk that was. was. I want to say Amanda Higgins, but I'm not sure if that's right. It was right. Amanda. Amanda's right. Yeah. Uh, I'll find it and I'll put it. <laughs> I'll put a link. In. Right, but yeah, yeah, that was a really cool TED Talk. And yeah, it was. Tell me a little bit about how that drives what you do. Um, 
I'll be perfectly honest with um, with like giving away the image and stuff. Um, that that never really panned out the way that I thought it might with her. Um, uh huh. Because I was setting it up as like a donation model to where people could download the stuff and just pay me whatever they wanted. But uh, it turns out people don't value digital images that way. So <laughs> um, that I wouldn't say it was a bad thing. And I, I still do the Creative Commons thing, so it's it's not a big deal. Um, I don't think it affected me negatively in any way, that's for sure. If anything, it was just more positive, and it's, I think that attitude has helped me in the long run and brought more clients my way that are really appreciative of what I do. And like now I give away free Lightroom presets, and that's set up under a donation model, and people actually donate all the time for that. That makes sense. So that 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 has worked out a lot better. I think it's something that people value more, sadly. <laughs> yeah, I, I figured it out. It was um, Amanda Palmer. Palmer, that's and it. it's it's the art of asking yeah. is the name of the TED Talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So, are you guys basically uh, making it work just through workshops and? I'm I'm guessing you know some affiliate links are probably not hurting and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So it's primarily workshops right now. Um, you know, I've got the ebook with Craft and Vision, that's still selling well, and then a lot of affiliate stuff, B and H and Amazon, and then uh, we're working on a mentoring program that we're going to do this year, um, and that's that's the most of it. Okay. So, um, one of the cool things you did uh, recently is. You spent like a billion hours to review all the luminous <laughs> luminosity masking panels that yeah, are out there. That was pretty ridiculous. And, yeah, and um, tell tell us why why did you do that? And then two, what did you discover? <laughs> um, I don't know. I've been using uh, Tony Kuiper's panel for a long time, and really proficient in it. And I just kept coming across like I think it was Lumenzia that I kept coming across. And I'm like. Huh, I need to check this out and see if it's any better or just for the hell of it. And then once I got into that, I started finding these other panels. I'm like, crap, I need to like go through <laughs> these now because I don't know, just some sort of OCD thing, I guess. But I think it's because there was nothing else out there where anybody had reviewed, you know, all side by side. Yeah. So I really wanted to know what was the best. And I found quite a few were not that great. And then there were three of them that were really stood out and they were really good. And that was, of course, the TK panel and Lumenzia and the ADP panel. And each has their own strengths, uh, but I, I still stick with the, uh, the TK panel because I think it has the most powerful and gives you the best results. Uh, but Lumenzi is really, really good, and ADP has great tutorials. So it's still, like, hard for people to pick the right one even after that. So I kind of yeah. just usually recommend... Are they pretty comparably TK. priced, or...? Uh, yeah, they're all pretty pretty much the same. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think pretty much everyone I talk to uses the TK panels. Yeah, definitely, and that's that's another thing, too, is, like, everyone that's in the industry like full-time pretty much all use the TK panel or just create their own. 
Right. And what about you, Jennifer? Are you also using TK panels? Yes. Um, I'm actually still pretty new. Like, this is my first year doing this full time. So I, you know, I was pretty comfortable with Lightroom and a few concepts in Photoshop, but I really dove into luminosity masks this year. And I've learned a great deal from the, you know, obviously from David, but also my own, you know, watching tutorials of other people and um, Sean Bagshaw. It's just been, you know, great learning. And yeah, I definitely I use that panel and it's got so much to offer. Yeah, I've, I mean, gosh, I think three or four of my guests have told me, like, you need to buy that right now. <laughs> and you still haven't you know, done it? <laughs> I know, right? That, how stupid am I? Slacker. <laughs> yeah, probably that's it and no money. I'm like, I'm doing the, I'm doing what you did. I'm paying off all my debt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, so, and then I think you said you're not using Capture One Pro anymore, or you're, you're using Capture One Pro, you're not using Lightroom anymore. Is yeah. that because of the way that uh, the Fuji files work, or what? Yeah, it was primarily the reason I I became obsessed with with uh, like the sharpness problems with Fuji files in Lightroom because it's a different type of sensor. It's the X-Trans instead of the Bayer sensor. They uh, Adobe hasn't really figured out how to develop those files properly, so they end up really soft. Or if you try to bring up the sharpness too much with the detail they get these worms and it just looks terrible. Oh. So that was my biggest issue with the Fuji. And I tried a bunch of different solutions and eventually Capture One started uh, supporting the Fuji files. And it's light and day difference. Uh, it's so incredibly sharp and lots of micro contrast. It just, it's a huge difference. And overall, I even like it better than Lightroom. <clears throat> There's a few things I miss, but um, Overall, it's awesome program, and I, I would actually recommend anyone check it out because it's really cool. Yeah, so are you, I'm assuming you're primarily using that to import all your raw files and then do some basic adjustments, and then are you, are you then pulling stuff into Photoshop from there? Yeah, yeah. So I do, okay. I do quite a bit in Capture One because it, it really has a lot of powerful tools, um, but I still do a lot in Light or in Photoshop, even after that. Especially with the luminosity masks. Right. Now, do you find yourself uh, using luminosity masks pretty much on almost every image you try to produce, or is it just for selective scenes? Or uh, pretty much now, I use it on everything. Huh. It's especially for like adding midtone midtone contrast. So, um, kind of like David Thompson was talking about, you know, doing a little more flat in the raw file, and then working that mid-tone contrast in Photoshop with the luminosity masks. It just makes a huge difference. You don't get those really um, gross dark blacks, but you still get really good contrast. So it's it's a really cool way of doing it and get really awesome results. All right. <laughs> Do it, Matt. Fine. <laughs> uh, it's just funny because, you know, like, I'm kind of stubborn when it comes to post, like, yeah. I don't know why I, I do this to myself. It, <laughs> it's, I don't, it's, it's stupid. Like there's so <laughs> many resources out there that you can tap into to, to improve your yeah. processing. And I'm just like, I'm going to figure it out myself. <laughs> I it's get so it. dumb. Yeah. 
I get it too. I was, I had that attitude that I like wanted to keep everything super simple and like just do things in Lightroom. And I was happy with it for a while, but then I, I did my 365 project last year where I was, I oh, yeah. like process an image every day and post that. So through that, I started learning a ton more and I like kind of became obsessed with it and had to learn as much as I could from all sorts of different people and then just put that all together into my own style. Nice. So let's, uh, let's shift gears and talk a little bit about workshops because this yeah. is a topic that comes up quite a bit on the podcast and I know you guys lead a lot of workshops um, mm-hmm. and it, and I'm sure you have lots of stories um, that you've, <laughs> oh, yeah. that you could tell about just other workshop leaders who are total jerks and assholes and <laughs> people that break rules and don't have any consideration for other people or so god what, what are you seeing out there man oh geez uh, it runs the gamut and i mean we've we've run into some really rude people especially like um, out in the san juans we've ran into some interesting workshop leaders that um you know didn't even bother to have people carpool so it was like 14 cars oh, God. down oh, County yeah. Road 5. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You know, like, where there's like nowhere like, to park. Ridgeway? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, their their bad attitude, you know, goes to their clients as well. And so they, you know, they're, they're examples of what, how you should act. So they're... Not should act. Yeah. So <laughs> their clients were really rude too. And, um, you know, we just try to you know, convey to our clients that we got to respect everyone that's out there and we got to respect, you know, the lands that we're working on. And Yeah, that's, I can get behind that for sure. Cause, um, I was looking at your, <clears throat> your workshop shop schedule and you have two workshops coming up that are in two locations that I know quite well, Yeah. but, but that are also pretty heavily traveled and mm-hmm. really don't need a lot more people at them. Right. But then I noticed you're only letting like four people come at a time, which I can really appreciate and respect because yeah. anything more than four or five people up there is like just, it's too much. Yeah, yeah, it is. You run into like Boy Scout troops where it's just this massive group and it's insanity, which that's okay. I mean, they're kids, they need that experience. But yeah, it does detract from the environment when you have big groups. So yeah, we try to keep everything really small. For that and to be able to give our clients attention too so i know when you see these masses of you know like 14 20 people in a group it's just it's so crazy to watch because usually you know if there's one instructor i mean i don't it's kind of like you know i even no matter how good you are it's just so hard you know to keep 20 people you know in your vision or you know make sure someone's not you know wandering off or doing something and you know i think that's the bad example that we've seen with some of these workshop groups, you know, they've got these masses of people and because the instructor's off kind of taking their own images, you know, and not really paying attention to their students, you know, people are wandering off and, you know, they just, they don't have any control. And, you know, we see situations like that and just wonder, you know, geez, like, how do you, how do you do that? I mean, it's insane. Yeah. I mean, she's offline. I'd love to know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> who's doing that so I can not have them on the podcast. <laughs> so. 
Because yeah. that's the kind of stuff I think is, is really, um, I'll just be blunt, I think that is ruining the, the, the craft. Yeah. It definitely I mean, it's, it's giving people this sense that they're entitled to do whatever the fuck they want with the environment. <laughs> and not give a shit about anyone else who's around them which two right there those are like two of my biggest pet peeves about being in the wilderness like yeah people that are disrespectful of other people that are up there and then people that just are disrespectful to the land so yeah 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 go ahead well we we just heard a story um from one of our clients about um one a big name photographer that took a group up into the subway where you're not supposed to take commercial groups and just acting like they're, they're just a bunch of friends. It's like, okay, yeah, no. <laughs> and it just, it just makes it look like to their clients, like that's okay because this guy's doing it so I can do whatever the hell I want. And it just, it brings down the whole craft. Yeah, it's <clears throat> exactly. And then it just multiplies. It's like a, it's like a virus. Yeah, it really is. I mean, it's, I mean, I've I've seen. I mean, I'm sure you've seen it more than I have, but I've seen different areas. Like ten years ago, you'd never see another person around, and now oh, it's yeah. like you go there on a weekend, and there's twenty or thirty people there every day. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, what the hell happened? Yeah. yeah. Social media happened. <laughs> well, yeah, that doesn't help. Yeah. <laughs> Especially like. So do you guys? Do you guys? What do you guys think about? Um, Disclose disclosure of different locations. Um, you know, I used to be really open about giving out locations um, because it was it was a different time. It was kind of before social media exploded these locations. You know, I used to be willing to share it with anyone uh, because it was just a smaller group of people that were doing this. And now I'm pulling back on that totally. Like I don't want to say where anything is now because it's just it's too much places are getting overrun and you know it's it's great for people to see it but they're they're not being respectful to the land and i don't know i'm just i'm over it (laughs) yeah well and i kind of feel too that you know people for some reason the creative process and the creative vision seems to have disappeared from a lot of people you know, no one wants to do the work to, you know, go, you know, to put the planning in, you know, you want to go shoot this, you know, right away, people say, you know, where are you, you know, how'd you get there, you know, what time of day is this? And it just kind of makes me think, you know, so much of photography is what you go out and what you see. And if everyone's just copying everyone else, you know, it, it just loses that luster. And I think a lot of it is a lot of people just don't want to do the work, you know? I mean, we have no problem if someone, you know, contacts us and, you know, they say, oh, you know, I saw you were here and I, you know, I've been looking at it and I kind of see, you know, you can go here or here, but, you know, we're more than happy to kind of help out and point them in the right direction. But I just feel so many people are just after, you know, other people's shots and it's like just, you know, there's so many other scenes out there, you know, if you just put a little creative effort into it, you can come away with, you know, so much more. So it's just frustrating, you know, when people ask, you know, where is this? You know, where were you? What time of day is this? How'd you get there? You're like, it's on Earth. Yeah. <laughs> and I've been very blunt like that. So, you know, someone, I think, wanted to know a slot canyon on Instagram. And I said, somewhere in the Southwest. And, you know, and I mean, they got kind of, <laughs> yeah. you know, snarky with me. But, you know, it's 
I don't have to tell you where that is. I mean, you know, and I don't even know you, you know, just do your own, you know, homework, do your own research, just get out there and explore. I mean, that's half the fun is exploring and finding new places and discovering new things. And I just kind of feel like that's a lost science lately. <laughs> well, and exactly. And it's funny because, you know, six or seven years ago, like, the knowledge base out there wasn't really as much as it is now and mm -hmm. I feel like now if you know how to Google you can pretty much almost find anything you need to know. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Like the other day I had a guy reach out to me on Instagram and I wasn't like mad or anything. I was just like, huh. Interesting. <laughs> he wanted he was going up to Ice Lake Basin and he wanted to know like any did I have any tips for shooting the Milky Way? And I was like have you ever shot the Milky Way before? <laughs> like, really there's a lot of ways I could answer this question. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, point your camera. Like, I think he it. just wanted me to tell him, like, go here at this time of day. Point right. your camera in this direction. Yeah. These are your settings. settings push yeah. the button. Right. And it's like, I get it. Like, if you don't know, but like, tell me specifically exactly what yeah. you want to know. At least do <laughs> do some homework first. <laughs> Right, like, you could go to any number of our blogs and probably find 90% of that information. Uh-huh. For free. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, there's it's, an insane wealth of knowledge out there now that, like, all you have to do is look for it, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what are, uh, what are people, it's kind of a weird question, but what do you feel like people are getting out of the experience of taking one of your workshops? Um, I would say it's a, it's a really, um, focused learning experience and a fun experience too. Um, because we're, you know, we have two instructors between us and we still keep our group sizes to six people. So it's like you get one instructor to every three people and, you know, we don't really shoot at all on our workshops unless we need to be like showing them a technique or something. We're like totally focused on people. And, you know, we continue, we like really want people to learn and uh, act as a, we want to act as a mentor to our people and really extend their learning. We don't want to just take them out to get this one epic photo and then be on their way, you know? Totally. I, uh, so I'm assuming you're, you're, you're running into people with a whole wide range of experience or inexperience. Oh, sure. It runs the gamut, and we were able to tailor it to each person because our group size is so small. Right. So it's, do you it's, ever do you ever have challenges with people that are using gear that you're not familiar with? Um, not really, because you know I've I used Canon and Nikon before this quite extensively, and I used the Fuji or I mean the Sony a little bit. So I pretty much have everything covered, and I'm starting to get a lot of clients that shoot fuji now so it's kind of become oh, that makes sense. a little niche for me so that's cool yeah totally that's super cool yeah so you guys have uh two workshops coming up that are backpacking workshops one mm -hmm. at ice lakes basin and another at blue lakes huh right and yeah, people can uh how do people find out about those uh they're just on our website exploringexposure.com and it's it's pretty cool. We, we've had pretty good luck with clients that are actually capable of doing such a hike. You know, I, I make it pretty clear that you have to be in good condition to do these because they're, 
they're pretty intense hikes for most people. Yeah, I agree. I made the uh, epic mistake last summer of taking my wife on her first backpacking trip, <laughs> which was to Island Lake. Yeah. It's rough. She made it. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, but she was pissed off, like, the whole way up, like, you said this would be easy. <laughs> I'm like, I didn't say it was going to be easy. <laughs> yeah, I, I, took, yeah no. I took Jen on our first one up in the Beartooths. And it was a pretty long, steep hike down to the Yellowstone River. How long was that? It was like I think we, 10 miles in or something. I think when all said and done, it was about 12. Oh, just 12 miles. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty felt, good, though. It yeah. might have felt like a lot longer, but... <laughs> <laughs> she was a trooper. Oh, yeah. My wife was a trooper, too. I'm actually... You know, you. I think you had asked me where I was going to go for... 4th of July weekend because yeah. it's, it's actually my wife's birthday on the 3rd and we're gonna we're gonna go s- somewhere in the San Juans yeah but I'm not gonna tell anyone because she wants it just to be the two of us <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> but I'm excited she wants to go with me that's that's cool be sweet yeah it's fun doing that together yeah yeah so what's uh what is what are your some of your guys's future plans with your business and your your workshops and and your photography and I guess if you don't mind asking like where's your relationship heading <laughs> <laughs> um, well with the photography business um, you know we're, we're moving on a mentoring program now that's going to be probably limited to like 10 people so we can really really do some focus mentoring so that's going to be fun and I don't know we're just going to keep doing unique workshops to different places and hopefully write some more ebooks and do more post-processing videos stuff like that try to spread things out and not focus on just one area so much makes sense and relationship is solid we're uh we're moving forward (laughs) yeah i mean it's been you know over a year and you know we've been on the road together and neither one of us has left each other in some desolate place you know so (laughs) yeah right like do you guys ever get tired of each other (laughs) i mean it is a challenge i i use the joke a lot you know i think before people ever get married they should you know live in an rv together for like a year so you can really kind of gauge the other person it's truly a unique experience but i mean i don't know i'd say we both kind of reach a point every now and then where, you know, we need some alone time and, you know, usually I'll head out for a run or, you know, go do something outside, you know, and he's got his own ways of, you know, coping with it. And I mean, I shouldn't say coping. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) you know, we each have, you know, we each can tell, you know, when, okay, you know, it's time for us to go kind of do our own thing, but we also get along extremely well. And those moments are kind of few and far between. So it, it, you know, it it goes really well. <laughs> yeah, and we are together almost twenty four seven. Yeah, you know, year round, so it, it does get challenging at times, um, as it would with anyone. No matter how good your relationship is, it's right. it's going to be hard to be together that much. So, but we do really good, and we've, I don't know, we're really happy. We have our moments, but we get through it, and we're still still very happy together. Well, that's cool, man. I um, that's sweet that you guys have figured out a way to make that work because I think um, it speaks a lot probably to your demeanors, demeanors yeah. as people but also just I think you have, you know, it's 
it's interesting. I feel like you kind of have to have that magic combination of the same interests, but also separate interests a little yeah, bit too. Yeah. Um, otherwise, it's like you just it just gets to be too much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally. So, uh, any other uh, locations that you guys are excited about for the for the upcoming few months? Um, we're going to be spending a lot of time in the San Juans this year. Um, just try to do some more exploring and backpacking. Um, let's see what else we're going to come up. When are you guys getting into Colorado? Um, we'll be there. It'll be just after the 4th of July. Okay. We're going to go up to the snowy range up in Wyoming and do a little backpacking with a friend there. Nice. Um, yeah, I've never been up. I've never. I haven't done hardly anything in Wyoming. It's like on my radar, yeah. though, for sure. Yeah, it's it's a super cool area. It's really small, but it's it's really dramatic and beautiful. Yeah, I'd love to do a. I was, <clears throat> if I can convince my wife, and get the time off, I'd like. I was thinking about going up and doing um, a backpack up into the Wind River Range over that yeah. oh, weekend, yeah. mm-hmm. when that eclipse is happening. Oh yeah. Because <clears throat> I I think. That's like the perfect spot to do it. Yeah, we'll be we'll be up there too. So. Yeah, we kind of <laughs> pegged that. We were like, well, because originally we were looking at Jackson, but that's gonna just be a complete circus. I mean, it's <laughs> it's gonna be insane here. I mean, even being in this town right now, it's just you can just tell. I mean, it's it's just gonna be crazy. So we very quickly shoved that off the list, and you know, he suggested the Wind Rivers, and I thought, oh, well, that could be pretty cool. So yeah, we're. We're gonna head up there for that as well. Nice, man. If I, if I can figure out a way to make it work, maybe we could collaborate. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're expecting over a hundred thousand people in the Tetons that day. Yeah. Holy that's shit! Absurd. Yeah. <laughs> man, that's crazy. Yeah. So we're gonna show up to our spot like early like the week before so we can get a spot in the wind rivers and we're not going to say where it is i'll tell you offline but (laughs) (laughs) yeah i've never been i've never been there so um but yeah i was i was i was kind of assuming to just do like find a obscure backpacking route yeah that would be cool just because you know there's not that right there that cuts out probably 80 percent of the people you know oh yeah at least (laughs) Because, you know, most people are lazy and they don't want to put in that kind of effort. But Yeah. Yeah. Especially in the Wind or... Rivers, they can be, like, <laughs> good 10-mile hikes in. Yeah, exactly. That'll cut out 99.9% of people. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, definitely. It's a good idea. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, so I always end my podcast with two questions. <laughs> my, And I'm sure you've heard me ask a few people now. So oh, yeah. my first question is... um. Based on the name of the podcast, uh, collab- have to stop collaborate and listen. Uh, what does that mean for you in terms of what advice you would give to other photographers? Well, it's kind of going back to what I was talking about before. Um, you know, I think as photographers, especially the big names, the leaders of workshops and stuff like that, we need to really stand up and be more stewards of our, you know, of our. Uh, craft and our the lands we work on and really set an example for everyone else and we need to work together on that and um i don't know show other people the way that you know we we can probably help fix this problem just by being good examples 
Do you? <clears throat> this is a weird question, and I don't know how to ask it. But <laughs> do you think there's any value in? Um, I don't want to say public shame, but like <laughs> having conversations about, like you know, good conversations about the people that aren't doing that. Like maybe even if it's private. Yeah, I think there's there's some room for that. Um, I think I think just by being more positive influencers that you know they just see that you're doing things that way and that maybe they should not be doing things the way they are so yeah. I, I think the the shaming part it gets a little bit too much on the negative side yeah I and agree. that's just gonna kind of piss them off and make them want to do it more because you know, people just have bad attitudes that way right but, but if they see see someone they respect doing it the right way and saying that this other way is the wrong way to do it, then I think they'll be more likely to respond to that. That makes sense. And what about you, Jennifer? Um, I would agree, you know, with everything David says. Um, I'm still extremely new to this whole photography world. You know, I've, I've met so many wonderful people over the year, you know, on social media, in person, that it's it's been quite an exciting journey. And um, I think the biggest thing that I've learned is you just can't get too caught up in what other people are doing and you just really, Absolutely. Have to, yeah, you really have to focus on your own, you know, style of photography. You know, it's so easy to get overwhelmed when you start seeing, you know, everybody else out there, you know, doing this and, oh, look at that great image. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's awesome to sit there and, you know, regard those people and, you know, admire them, you know. I've learned so much just by following some of the, you know, larger names and, you know, it's been wonderful, but it's also so easy to get blinded by that. And you start to look at your own stuff and go, oh my gosh, I'm never going to make it. You know, what am I doing? But you just, you know, you have to keep the positive attitude and just keep shooting, you know, what you want to shoot, what represents you. And eventually, you know, it all comes together and you develop a style and, you know, it's just, you know, that's kind of what's helped me get through this because, you know, it was so easy just to kind of get down and hard on yourself, you know, and think, oh my gosh, you know, look at everything else out there. I'm never going to amount to that. But, you know, just stick with your own style. It all comes around and, you know, people start to recognize your style and, you know, it eventually all works out. And man, that's powerful advice. And one thing just that I would add is, cause that's exactly what I think too. And one thing I would add is, um, <laughs> Even if even if it doesn't end up happening to where you stand out, like it doesn't mean you're a failure. Like right. I think people, you know, be yourself. <laughs> it's okay yeah. if your stuff isn't as popular as other people. Like unless that's your goal in life is to be popular, you know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which I got news for you, like yeah. that's not a good idea. But um, yeah, I think that's that's really great, great advice, Jennifer. Yeah. There's so much good work out there that doesn't get the attention it deserves because it's not big and dramatic or they don't market themselves the best way and they're just not like, you know, big, you know, noisy people that <laughs> get all the attention. Right, or they just don't give a shit about social media or right, whatever, right. you know? Yeah. Yeah, it was crazy when I interviewed um, Joshua Snow. He, 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 he linked me up with... Uh, with uh, Zachary Bright and I had never heard of him before and I as soon as he said his name I like, googled him and I looked at his stuff and I was like man like this dude's awesome yeah <laughs> <laughs> but I'd never heard of him before you know oh yeah and so then so I was many... like I'm gonna interview that guy 
Yeah, <laughs> there's so many out there too. Oh, I know, it's crazy. And with social media, it's you know so easy to get hung up on you know followers and fans, and you know just because someone has you know ten thousand followers doesn't mean you know they're the absolute you know god of photography. I mean, like you said, there are so many other names out there that you kind of stumble upon, and you go, "Wow, you know, look at this person's work. You know, it's really cool." And you know, as long as you're happy and doing what you love, you know, so be it. That's important. You know, who cares? <laughs> just do your own thing. Yeah, that that ego is powerful, though. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's a human thing, you know. Oh yeah. Yeah, and, and we're I think... we're pretty humble people, so we we have trouble marketing ourselves too. Oh yeah. Yeah, that that's the hardest part for me, honestly, because it's it's funny. We have this running joke in my house, like with some of my friends and stuff. Like, we'll be talking about something, and then they'll say, "Oh, have you ever heard of Have you ever heard of Matt Payne photography? Like, he's so good." <laughs> like, just like you know, they just fuck with me because they know, like, inevitably, it's gonna come up in a conversation that I do photography. Yeah. And yeah. then inevitably, I'm always gonna feel like really weird about the whole conversation because right. I don't like to like talk about it. I don't, I don't yeah. like to tell people like and then they go look at your stuff and like oh my god that's so good and you're like it's 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 okay it's it's the worst (laughs) (laughs) i'm glad to hear i'm not the only one that has that problem oh yeah totally we all we all look at other people's stuff and think that we suck compared to them and (laughs) right but as long as you know as long as it doesn't like bring you down too much it can help motivate you to get better yeah totally it's all about how you look at it. Oh yeah. I mean, and and regardless of how how good you get at your craft, no matter what your craft is, there's always going to be someone who's better. Oh, oh absolutely, yeah, definitely. I mean, shit. Like, you watch the NBA. I don't know if you like watching sports at all, but and I'm not a big NBA fan, but yeah. I watch the finals, and it's funny because you know I I have the highest level of respect and admiration for LeBron James, but like, then you watch Kevin Durant, and he was just like unstoppable. Yeah. Like, it was crazy. Like, there's always going to be someone that's just better. Oh, yeah. of course. <laughs> so you just can't compare yourself to other people, or otherwise you're yeah. never going to be satisfied. No. no. That's a, okay, that's so, a deep hole to go down. <laughs> oh, it's super dark, and then you start doing really <laughs> stupid shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So, last question. If there was someone where, like, you know, you were on iTunes or whatever and you saw the next episode of my podcast pop up and you saw who the name was and you got super excited about that person being on the podcast who would that be um i'm sure they're already on your list but uh ron and sarah and also eric stensland oh yeah eric yeah yeah so have you hung out with uh with eric much yeah quite a bit we're we're pretty good friends he's he's a super nice guy he's just so down to earth it's ridiculous yeah and he lives in estes park right yeah 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 yeah, yeah i remember really cool i don't know if you remember i wrote that article a few years ago about the best colorado landscape photographers and i think he yeah. was on the list yeah probably yeah yeah and i don't actually think i did have him on my list so that's a good one to that's add cool. to my list yeah yeah thank you yeah <laughs> and he's he's working on some cool stuff um kind of in the same lines i was talking about i don't know where he's at with it now but you might ask him about that as far as um you know being stewards of our of our craft yeah absolutely 
Yeah, I think um, Kane was Kane and I had a conversation about Eric a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Super well, cool. Nice well, yeah, he seems like a cool guy. I've only talked to him a couple of times on I think it was probably email back then, but yeah, seems like a really nice guy. Yeah, you should meet up with sometime. Yeah. Well, cool. Um, David and Jennifer, I really appreciate you guys taking the time yeah, to be on the podcast. Yeah. Thank you for having us. Anytime, man. Yeah, and uh, maybe uh, maybe sometime this summer we could uh, find a way to meet up. Yeah, yeah definitely. definitely. We'll be, cool. be down in your area for sure. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Even if it's not to shoot, we could always try to meet up and have a beer somewhere or something. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> That's always a game. <laughs> <laughs>